0: Welcome. You're listening to Blood Advances Talks. Blood Advances Talks are scholarly review articles that are presented in an audio format and published in the American Society of Hematology's open access journal, Blood Advances. Transcripts for Blood Advances Talks undergo the same rigorous peer review process as all articles published in Blood Advances and can be downloaded by visiting bloodadvances.org. We thank you for listening.
1: My name is Dr. Phil Wells. I'm a full professor, chair-in-chief of the Department of Medicine at the University of Ottawa and the Ottawa Hospital in Canada. The title of my talk today is Extended Therapy for Unprovoked Venous Thromboembolism. When is it indicated? My conflicts that may be relevant to those of you listening to this talk are that I have received honoraria for advisory board meetings from Bayer Healthcare Sanofi, BMS Pfizer, and Diachi Sankyo, and I have received research funding from BMS Pfizer. Immediate initiation of anticoagulant therapy is imperative when acute venous thromboembolism is diagnosed. Three months is the minimum duration of treatment. Subsequently, the choice between anticoagulant agents and the continuation of treatment should be guided by the etiology of the venous thromboembolic event. Etiology is best defined as provoked or unprovoked. Provoked is VTE associated with risk factors that are transient or persistent and major or minor. When risk factors are absent, VTE is classified as unprovoked. Unprovoked VTE has a high probability of recurrence once treatment is stopped, and studies suggest that this is unchanged by initial duration of therapy. The decision whether to continue anticoagulant therapy in patients with unprovoked VTE is determined by the probability of recurrence but this must be balanced by the risk of major bleeding and the case fatality rates associated with recurrence and bleeding. Patient preference must also be considered. The probability of recurrence can be further defined by single factors such as sex, whether the index event was deep vein thrombosis or pulmonary embolism, D-dimer levels, and residual venous obstruction, but it is best determined by sex and by prediction rules. Men have a high probability of recurrence and should continue therapy unless they have a high probability of bleeding, and the initial event is a deep vein thrombosis. Women with low probability of recurrence by the HERDU2 prediction rule can discontinue anticoagulation, but if higher probability, indefinite treatment is indicated unless they are also at higher probability of bleeding. Venous thromboembolism is a potentially fatal disease. Immediate initiation of anticoagulant therapy is therefore imperative when acute VTE is diagnosed. All patients with an acute VTE require a minimum of three months of therapy. Thereafter, the decision to continue treatment is guided by balancing the probability of recurrent VTE, defined by etiology of VTE, against the probability of major bleeding from anticoagulation. This talk focuses on patients categorized as having an unprovoked VTE. Despite carrying important prognostic and treatment implications, the classification of an episode of VTE as being provoked or unprovoked varies across studies. This is an inherent issue for any classification system that categorizes a continuous risk into specific probability groups. Aiming to improve the consistency of the definition in clinical practice and research, the Scientific and Standardization Committee of the International Society on Thrombosis and Hemostasis provided standardized criteria for this classification. Risk factors defining a provoked BTE can be transient or persistent, and major or minor. Major transient risk factors include surgery with general anesthesia for greater than 30 minutes, immobilization for more than three days due to an acute medical illness, and C-section. The most frequent major persistent risk factor is active cancer. Minor risk factors include surgery with general anesthesia for less than 30 minutes, pregnancy, estrogen therapy, and others. When such risk factors are absent, VTE is classified as unprovoked, regardless of the presence of non-environmental risk factors for VTE, such as older age or male sex. However, the lower the strength of the association between risk factor and the first VTE, the more difficult is the distinction between provoked and unprovoked VTE. For example, the absolute risk of a symptomatic VTE following air travel of four hours or more is one out of 4,600 flights. The 2016 ACCP guidelines consider air travel as a minor risk factor. However, many VTE experts do perceive the risk associated with air travel to be so low that they treat such VTE events as if they were unprovoked. In cohort studies that followed patients for the first unprovoked VTE, the cumulative incidence of recurrent VTE was 7 to 15 percent in the first year and 23 to 40 percent within five years after stopping anticoagulant therapy. The probability of recurrence is 50 percent higher for a second unprovoked VTE. Compared with placebo, extended VTE therapy with vitamin K antagonists, direct oral anticoagulants, and aspirin reduces the probability of recurrent VTE. Aspirin reduces the likelihood of a recurrence by 30% compared to placebo. Vitamin K antagonists and direct oral anticoagulants are more efficacious with relative risk reductions of about 85%. Remarkably, studies suggest that risk is unchanged by the initial duration of therapy. While there is no difference in efficacy of extended VTE treatment between vitamin K antagonists and direct oral anticoagulants, the probability of bleeding may differ between these anticoagulants. Patients continuing VTE treatment with vitamin K antagonists beyond six months have a probability of major bleeding of 1% to 4% per year, with lower bleeding rates noted in more recent trials. The odds ratio of major bleeding in patients on direct oral anticoagulants for extended VTE treatment appear to be half that of patients on vitamin K antagonists. But low event rates and a limited number of studies preclude judgment on statistical significance. Accordingly, there is also insufficient evidence to conclude placebo or low-dose direct oral anticoagulants carry a lower bleeding risk than standard-dose direct oral anticoagulants, and there is no head-to-head comparison between low-dose direct oral anticoagulants and vitamin K antagonists. To guide decisions on treatment duration, not only the incidence of BTE recurrence and major bleeding must be considered, but also the probability of death associated with these events. The case fatality rate of recurrent BTE after discontinuation of anticoagulation is 3.6%. However, since patients with a pulmonary embolism are three times as likely to have a pulmonary embolism as a recurrent event than patients with an initial deep vein thrombosis the case fatality rate of recurrent VTE may be significantly higher in patients with an initial pulmonary embolism. In Phase 3 direct oral anticoagulant trials, the case fatality rates of major bleeding in the first months of treatment were 10% with vitamin K antagonists and 6% with direct oral anticoagulants. The case fatality rate of bleeding during extended treatment is less well-defined, particularly for direct oral anticoagulants, given that only one fatal bleed on direct oral anticoagulants was reported in all Phase 3 trials on extended VTE treatment. The challenge in patients with unprovoked VTE is to determine if other factors in etiology predict probability of recurrence. The most important single predictor of recurrence in patients with unprovoked VTE would appear to be sex. Men have a 1.5 to 2-fold increased probability of recurrent VTE compared to women. The increase in relative risk associated with male sex is comparable to that associated with the presence of antiphospholipid antibodies. Albeit lower than in men, the probability of recurrence in women with unprovoked VTE is still 6.7% in the first year after stopping anticoagulation, which is not low enough to determine treatment duration based on sex only. Further risk factors that were evaluated for guiding treatment duration include D-dimer measured after stopping anticoagulation and ultrasound evidence of residual vein obstruction in patients with deep vein thrombosis. Serially normal D-dimer measurements are associated with a low recurrence probability. However, D-dimer testing is not useful as a single predictor because it cannot identify patients with a low enough recurrence risk to justify stopping therapy, with the possible exception of women with VTE that was associated with estrogen therapy. Serial testing of antiphospholipid antibodies may allow further risk stratification of patients with a first unprovoked VTE and normal post-anticoagulation D-dimer levels. Repeatedly positive antiphospholipid antibodies in such patients were associated with a 13% probability of recurrent VTE. This reflects a more than twofold higher risk compared to patients without evidence of antiphospholipid antibodies. However, this approach in isolation is insufficient to inform treatment decisions since patients without antiphospholipid antibodies still had a 5.4% probability of recurrence. Similarly, residual vein obstruction is not useful in isolation to guide treatment duration and, of course, is of no use if the initial event was isolated pulmonary embolism. Hereditary thrombophilia, such as Factor V Leiden or prothrombin gene mutation, or a family history of VTE are not associated with greater probability of recurrence in patients with unprovoked VTE, and therefore both cannot be used to identify patients requiring extended therapy. However, further research in the hereditary thrombophilias considered higher risk, protein C, S, and antithrombin deficiency, would be of benefit because it seems reasonable to consider indefinite anticoagulation in patients with such thrombophilias. Given that single risk factors fail to sufficiently discriminate patients into groups with a low enough risk to safely discontinue treatment, clinical decision rules have been derived that aim to identify patients with a recurrence probability below 3% per year. The only decision tool which has been validated in a prospective management study is the HERDU-2 rule. It consists of the following four criteria. One, signs of post-thrombotic syndrome in either leg. Two, a vitus D-dimer level of at least 250 micrograms per liter on anticoagulants after six months of treatment, three, a body mass index of at least 30, and four, age 65 years or older. Women with two or more of these criteria, and men, have a high probability of recurrent VTE. Women with zero or one of the criteria are at low probability of recurrent PTE with an annual rate of 3% after stopping anticoagulation. Previously, the DASH and Vienna prediction scores for recurrent BTE have been introduced. However, as they have not been externally validated in a prospective management study to guide decisions on extended anticoagulant treatment, their use cannot be recommended. To identify patients that have a net clinical benefit of continuing therapy, we not only need to assess the probability of recurrence, but also the probability of bleeding. There is no risk score that was specifically developed to predict the bleeding probability with extended VTE treatment. However, a recent multinational cohort study of patients on extended VTE therapy externally validated four previously derived risk tools, including the RIETE, ACCP, Hasbled, and Outpatient Bleeding Risk Index. The thresholds used to define high risk were two or more items of the ACCP tool, or Outpatient Bleeding Risk Index, and three or more points for the HAS-BLED score and Riete score. Regardless of the score used, patients classified as high risk of bleeding had major bleeding rates of more than 3% per year. The Hasbled and ACCP score identified the highest proportion of high-risk patients, with 23% and 14% respectively. How can we translate this evidence into recommendations for the duration of therapy for unprovoked VTE? In general, patients with VTE should continue anticoagulation indefinitely unless the reduction of death from preventing recurrent VTE does not clearly outweigh the increased probability of death from major bleeding, or the patient prefers to stop treatment. Therefore, we recommend, based on the previously described probability estimates, that sex, initial VTE event, Deep vein thrombosis versus pulmonary embolism, as deep vein thrombosis recurs as deep vein thrombosis in 75% of cases and as pulmonary embolism in 25%, and pulmonary embolism recurs as pulmonary embolism in 75% of cases and deep vein thrombosis in 25%, and bleeding risk should be considered to determine who should continue with therapy. Women with a first unprovoked VTE at low risk of recurrence per the HERDU-2 rule can safely stop anticoagulation after three to six months. But women at higher probability of recurrence, two or more HERDU-2 criteria, should continue anticoagulation except those with a high probability of bleeding. Given the low probability of death with recurrent deep vein thrombosis, consideration should be given to not continuing anticoagulation in higher-risk HERDU-2 women if the first event was a DVT. All men should continue indefinitely with anticoagulation unless they have a high probability of bleeding combined with a deep vein thrombosis as the first event. Regardless of strength of recommendation for indefinite anticoagulation, patients' preferences and values should be considered in the clinical decision process after providing patients with adequate information on the risks and benefits with different treatment options. Furthermore, cost of treatment may also influence treatment decisions. In all patients who continue anticoagulation, ongoing evaluation should occur to ensure the first treatment decision remains relevant. In summary, unprovoked VTE has a high probability of recurrence once treatment is stopped. The decision whether to continue anticoagulant treatment in patients with unprovoked VTE is dictated by the probability of recurrence and to a lesser degree by the probability of bleeding. The HERDU-2 rule identifies women at low probability of recurrent BTE that can safely discontinue anticoagulation. Sex, localization of the index BTE, and bleeding probability should be considered to guide the decision to continue treatment in the remaining patients who are willing to continue therapy beyond six months. Thank you for listening.
0: You've been listening to Blood Advances Talks. Please visit bloodadvances.org for more audio reviews and for information on how to subscribe to the Blood Advances Talks podcast. A full transcript of this podcast can be found online. Music for Blood Advances Talks was performed by the Art Topolo Trio and provided by Dr. Art Topolo. This presentation is copyrighted by the American Society of Hematology. We thank you for listening.